After puttering along and then sitting in neutral, rumors and reports of the mysterious Apple car have kicked into high gear. Is the Apple car on the fast track towards the finish line, or will it run out of gas? Get your motor running! We're talking Apple car in this episode of the Macworld Podcast. Welcome to the Macworld version of Car Talk. I'm Roman Loyola here with our own version of the Tappet Brothers. We got Click, otherwise known as Jason Cross. Good morning. And we have Clack. That's Michael Simon. I think I'm in the wrong podcast, but that intro was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that should win an award of some sort. <laughs> oh, the car puns won't stop there. That was, so. that was, that was awesome, Roman. Do they still do Car Talk? I don't even know. Yeah, they retired, and one of the brothers passed away. Wait, am I, am I the dead one, or is Jason the dead one? <laughs> <laughs> NPR still airs uh, old episodes of Car Talk. Oh, okay. I don't know if, like, in San Francisco, the local uh, NPR station plays plays it. I know, like, I've been on a road trip somewhere and then tuned into the local public uh, radio station there, and they and Car Talk was playing. So I know it's it, it gets played in some areas still. It was a good show. It was. It was. I'm not a like a really car guy or anything, but it was one of those things you could always listen to and be entertained, even not knowing right. much about cars. I'm not a car guy either. Mike, are you a car guy? Do you think you're yourself a as human a car guy? guy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I know a thing or two, I guess, but I'm I I couldn't change my own oil, so I guess that would say I'm not a car guy. I used to change my own oil. I did that kind of thing back when I owned a 72 Beetle. That That's the kind of stuff that's easy to work on. After that, just pay pay $25 to go to Jiffy Lube or something. Yeah, the cars got get so much more complicated. and then... Right, and plus you have to worry about disposing the oil properly and all that stuff. And it's not, it's not worth your time <laughs> unless you're just into it, unless it's just fun for you. You know, some people like to tinker and work on cars and it's fun. So the uh, Apple Car rumors and reports have started up again. So we thought we'd give this topic a spin for oh this boy. episode. Oh yeah, it's it's not gonna end. We should we need it we need it like a like a bell every time you have a car pun like the Apple notification noise has to go off. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> the latest is that Apple is looking for a production partner to help build the uh, Apple Car. Recently, Hyundai confirmed publicly that it was sitting shotgun with Apple. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yep. And the two were cruising in the carpool lane towards that. I'm Apple just going to mute my mic if that's okay, Roman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, Apple is a company known for its secrecy, and they didn't like that Hyundai publicly confirmed that they were working on something. Yeah, every, every single Apple know it all. Include you know us included said uh oh yeah <laughs> as soon as we read that report yeah <laughs> it was Hyundai or, or Kia I mean they're the same group they kind of merged um it some people say yeah that fell out because they couldn't maintain the secrecy other people say it fell out because of conflicts like that's that's the third largest largest automaker in the world they probably any large automaker is probably not really keen on the idea of being what Apple wants, which is the same sort of manufacturer that um, that they have for the iPhone, where you just make the thing. 
Like we're going to, all the de re important design considerations are us, the branding, the marketing, all the data, the, the everything. Like you get, you, you get no indication that you have any part of this anywhere on our website or materials or, or anything. I, or even if you do, it's like, we're, we're going to be like in charge of all this stuff and uh, you're not, and you're just going to get paid to make them. You're not really going to share in the, like the big share of the profits, you know, um, that's that's the way Apple operates, and that's fine for that's the way electronics manufacturers are structured. It's not the way car companies work. It's going to be tough to work with a car company who's going to go for that. I know uh, car margins are are famously razor thin, so I don't know like the logistics of profit margins and and deals and the structure. But I have to assume a, a, a company would jump at the opportunity to manufacture something you know something this. Um, this monumental, this this visible, because they're going to sell, they're going to get attention, and you and your name in some way, even if Apple doesn't do it, it will be attached. So there'll be some cachet there at the very least. Yeah, there's there's a group of car makers for whom that's a good thing, right? Any of the top five, the top Toyota is the biggest car maker in the world, Volkswagen Group, Honda, Kia, GM, Ford, Nissan, Honda, any of these guys who make more than five million cars a year. Just making a car with Apple, you're already in a thing where it's like A-list designers go work for car companies. That's like the apex of de the design world, right? And they're going to have to fight with Apple over every single button <laughs> and curve and everything on this entire car. After having a fight about the design of the entire thing, and, and it's going to be it's going to be known as the Apple car, like no matter what, what you make. So it's not going to be a Ford or whatever. And then you have to fight over how it's how it's made. And then once it's made, you don't get the valuable part because I, I mean it's expected to be not just an electric car, but at least a some level of self-driving car. And we'll get to that in a bit. But like the valuable part of all that's the data. You're not going to get it. Mm -hmm. Not a chance. You do have access to whatever Apple, whatever technology Apple is doing, whatever they're they're you know because it's not going to just be a, a a Hyundai Elantra that rolls off with an Apple logo. I mean, it's going to be a, a much, a much higher end version of whatever, whatever we see out there. So they will be somewhat privy to, you know, processes and, and technology that they might not be afforded to otherwise. But yeah, I, I definitely see what you're but saying. But the valuable thing is a million people are driving around an advanced sensor suite down the road. Uh, you want that data. That's the valuable thing for you as a car, as a big car company. And you're not going to get it and you're not going to own the software and you're not going to own updates and you're not going to be able to monetize any of all of that stuff like that's so the the really, really big guys don't want to be a part of that because they already they're already building their software infrastructures and everything to do this. So the only thing that Apple adds is I mean, it's it's mostly terrible, but yeah, they all have their own proprietary stuff. It's not all terrible. I mean, w when you're when you're looking out in the same time frame as this is of several years out. I mean, GM's got cruise automation, which isn't in a production car anywhere, but in its testing thing, it's top of the line. The only thing that these guys, all these other guys get out of it is the Apple branding is going to sell a lot of cars, but they're already a top automaker. They're already supply constrained in a lot of ways. It's going to be worse with electric cars when the batteries are the supply constraint. So I really think that now the new new rumor is they're looking at these like BMW or 
or something like that. BMW or uh, Mazda. I, I saw in BMW. Nissan. I saw Nissan this morning. Yeah. Clearly, they're talking to a lot of different manufacturers. Those are the level of car manufacturers that have a lot more reason to get into this thing where, oh, my God, now we're not in control of any of the design or the data or anything else because they're not big enough to, to for them to make a self-driving car, maybe even a good electric car. They're going to have to get in bed with Google, GM Cruise, somebody like that anyway, right? They're they're already in this situation where we can't build this vertically integrated thing where we own all the software and the data and all this stuff anyway. Being the one that gets that Apple brand and gets everything that comes with that, that could be good. That could be worth all the design headache and all that other stuff that we deal with. You're also going to draw Apple's ire when inevitably no one can buy these things because they're five months or six months out, you know, when, it, when the whole production line gets backed up. Apple's gonna call you up and say, "Hey, what are you doing?" Right. Yeah. How come? How come you can't make more? And, and they're gonna say there aren't enough batteries in the world. If this ever ends up finally happening, it's gonna happen with one of these companies that makes anywhere between like one and three million cars a year, like these sort of mid-sized companies that are big enough to make enough Apple cars, but not big enough that they wanna. Everybody wants the Tesla setup, not necessarily the Tesla volume, which is small, but that vertical integration. They wanna own the software, the data the all the technology in the car they want to own all that they want to make all that um they don't want all this valuable self-driving software going around and them not, not in control it's some other company getting all the data and being in control of software updates and all that other stuff and all the big guys can do that and all the mid-tier guys can't so it'll be a mid-tier car company i think if it happens Bloomberg recently posted an article about Tim Cook's run at Apple, and a large part of that article talks about how Tim Cook pretty much set up the production with China and the demands that Apple has with factories. And it's it's actually a really good article to read if you're interested in the Apple car, because that gives you an idea of what Apple's demands are in terms of pro production. And the idea of that being translated into car production, it just seems like a huge, massive undertaking that, I don't know, it almost it almost feels like it could be an impossible. Not, not, I mean, it, not, it might be. We might never see it. Yeah. Yeah. If you think building an iPhone is complicated, like the logistics challenges of, of, an, of modern automobiles is just enormous. And not just building automobiles, but building it the way Apple wants to build it. Right. And shipping them and stuff. Like you can't you can't have one factory, one place in the world and ship them all over the world. It, you it's too expensive. Like this was this was Tesla's problem. They're building every building everything in Fremont, shipping it all over the world. It, it's can only last for a very short amount of time before you just have to build them where they're gonna go. <laughs> and and so, you know, Apple's going to have, and certainly Apple's going to want, I mean, people are going to want Apple car all over the world. So it's got to be somebody who's got factories in every continent and all this other stuff. It's, it's, it's a huge, it's this massive, massive undertaking. That's just so. And I mean, Apple has have enough money. To, this could just be a vanity project that, would, that never sees the light of day. And they use what they learn in other products and other technologies and, you know, chips and sensors and whatever else they're doing, the AI stuff. But you know, it could they could partner with with uh, with Nissan or, or or Hyundai, whoever, and then that just it just never goes anywhere. They could do two years of work on this and then ultimately kill it because they just irreconcilable differences or whatever. Or it turns out that competitors 
end up kicking out stuff that's good enough that they're like, oh, what we were planning to do isn't isn't spectacular enough anymore. And now we need to go back to the drawing board on some stuff. I thought it was really interesting that when the Hyundai Kia um, rumors were circulating, that at least the first version of this thing was meant to be a car that has no steering wheel and isn't supposed to be sold to direct to consumers. The idea is that it would be sold to, you know, cab fleets and, and stuff like that as, as sort of robo taxis or, um, you know, things that cars on college campuses to ferry kids around and stuff like that, where you'd have these sort of constrained environments and, and no driver at all. And now apparently that's out the window and they're back to it being a thing you can drive if you want to. Well, it doesn't, it, it never really made sense. That's not what Apple is. That, like I, I can see a Google car being that kind of, a, a, you know, you don't know it's a Google car, but it, but it, you know, it, it, it integrates and does things really well. Apple wants people to drive these things. They want to be seen. They yeah, want I, think, to be I think the idea would be the there'd streets. be a future version that does that. Like the first version would be. It there is some spectacular wow factor of getting in a car that doesn't even have a steering wheel and it's just driving you around. And you're just like, oh, this is I'm in the future. And then three years after that, they sell one you can buy, and and can go anywhere. Um, but I mean, just just the self-driving car problem is just too gnarly. <laughs> like I don't even see how they get that. I, I feel like. In the time frame we're talking about, everyone's talking about 2024, 2025 or something like that, which I think is wildly optimistic. But in that time frame, nobody's going to be selling a, a car that literally has no wheel or anything direct to consumers to buy. Those those cars will absolutely be out there with like roped in with uh, limited driving areas that it at which they're tested and know their work and stuff and they'll tool all around San Francisco or something, but you're not, not going to be able to take them anywhere you want to go because I don't think automated driving is going to be solved to that level yet, especially in weird conditions and snow and all this other stuff. So yeah, <laughs> I, I'm still completely unconvinced that we'll ever actually be able to buy an Apple car. Yeah. I I'm, I'm with, uh, I'm with Jason. I, it just logistically seems like there's just way too many negatives than positives. Yeah. And I don't know what the upshot is for Apple outside of, well, let me put it this way. In order for there to be enough upshot for Apple, it has to be a terrible deal for the car maker. <laughs> like, like, I don't know how they, Apple both, both Apple makes what they're used to making and a car maker doesn't just take a bath on it. Yeah, no, you're right. And, you know, like even if all that works, even if they get someone, a partner, and they're able to come to terms and all that stuff, I mean, think about the headlines Apple gets when, like, your iPhone reboots or when there's a problem with that messages. I mean, let's the first accident, the first sub-job, I mean, God forbid someone dies. I mean, they're going to get press, negative press forever. Yeah, like, already that's an issue, like, like like tesla's not even a top 20 car manufacturer right they're they're half a million a year is not even on the list right and they already get so much scrutiny for the same things that happen a million times a day with regular cars now with with apple that's going to be even worse like magnified and then that starts affecting your other sales you have to worry about your brand and your iphones and your ipads and everything else and it just doesn't it doesn't i don't know i wish these rumors 
had an I you know when we, we we need to talk about them we need to to get them out there. These rumors drive me crazy because it's just like this. There's so many parts to this. That and there, it's clearly something about. happening. Like as much as as much as Apple won't admit it, clearly there are talks happening. Clearly there are. Apple has admitted and made job postings and all this other stuff that they are working on self-driving stuff, but they won't say that they're making a a car necessarily. They're working on the software problem, right? I, that I could see. I could see Apple making a software system, partnering with someone to set, like they did it with VM. Didn't they do a Volkswagen iCar or something where it was just loaded up with a bunch of iPod stuff? It was a Volkswagen, but there was a bunch of, of, of iPod integration in, in, inside a long, long time ago. I, I could see that happening. I could see, you know, AI stuff, Siri stuff, uh, wireless charging. You come in, your car plays automatically wireless, that type of stuff. I could see that. I cannot see Tim Cook rolling out a, a, a an Apple car and a WWDC. I see it from the technology point of view, but it's not how Apple does business. Apple doesn't license software. They'll make the widget the software runs on and be a vertically integrated. So, and and some have someone else manufacture it. So it'd, it'd be a new change for them to go like, well, we made a whole system, whole self-driving system, and we'll sell you sell you software and a sensor suite to integrate into your car. That's kind of a new thing. That, that's like a new way to operate for Apple that they haven't done before. I don't know. <laughs> I'm still scratching my head on on all this stuff. Like it's all it all has so far to go. <laughs> Anybody who's ever been looking at all this stuff, uh, watching how self-driving cars work, and reading the reports here in California, they have to issue these reports yearly on uh, everybody who tests self-driving cars on the road have to issue all these reports about how many miles they drive and how many cars they have out there on the road and how many disengagements they have and all this stuff. And it's, it's like a Gordian knot of bad data. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> like everyone has a different definition of how many miles you drive for a disengage between disengagements and there's no standard. So it's all, all the data is like BS and you can't compare it to anything. And it's just that's, are we going to have self-driving cars in four years, much less an Apple one? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's because you keep reading about it. We've been reading about it for 10 years now. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, if I wasn't it's always in a business, couple, two years away, it's always two years away. Yeah, All this stuff's always two but, years away. You know, you, you see these headlines on CNN or wherever, you know, people don't follow this stuff like we do. So you're like, oh yeah, Apple's coming out with a car next year. What you? Um, I, I was looking at the latest report of these self-driving car things and it's like, the, the ones way out ahead in terms of doing the most testing and driving the most miles are cruise automation, which is owned by GM, uh, and and Google. And But when they report, they report thousands of miles between disengagements. But what they call a disengagement is not that the driver took over. It's when the driver takes over, they run a simulation that says, well, what if they didn't take over, would something bad have happened? Without defining what something bad is, does that mean a collision or does that mean like a hard break or do you hit somebody? I don't know. But if we run a simulation and if the driver didn't take over, if nothing bad would have happened, we don't count that one. We don't count that disengagement. We just count. And it's like, oh, well, that's a good way to pump up your numbers. And it's, it makes sense. It's smart. You don't want the driver who's there, the safety driver there, not to take over when they're worried about something just because they don't want to screw up the report. 
you want them to do the safe thing. But it also means that the number that when you look at it, you go, oh, it's gone thousands of miles between disengagements. It really hasn't. <laughs> it's people, the drivers are taken over all the time on these things. So, and then, you know, they don't tell you how constrained their testing environments are. They're driving on the same city streets all the time. You're going to rack up a lot of miles, but you're not really going to learn anything new versus driving you know, all over the country on rural roads and suburban roads and roads covered with snow and all this other stuff. And, you know, not for nothing, Apple's, they, they haven't given us a whole lot to go on that they're capable of building a system this sophisticated based on AI. They are part of those reports because they are testing on public roads, uh, but they are, um, they are way down the list for number of cars out there on the road, number of miles driven, number of miles between disengagements. They're nowhere near... The, the big two, which is, you know, GM, Cruise, and Google, who are way, way out ahead of everybody else for this stuff. Tesla's not even on the list because they don't play the rules, you know? So Google is probably just as far as to bring something consumer level to market as as, as anybody. And they, right, as you say, they've been doing it forever, and they have a whole company that they, they bought and work with, and their AI is way more advanced just on a surface level. So Apple's playing catch up there, and I, I mean, I don't know. But Google's entire business model is and has been that um, they, they make software and license it and, and scoop up all your data. <laughs> and that's so it, it seems way more likely to me that it's a thing that is going to end up in several different car manufacturers, cars of different types of cars. And they're going to be out there. And um, Google is actually very far ahead in that in doing what they would call level four driving, which is like it's fully self-driving, but with constraints about where you're driving. Like they're they're pretty they're actually doing a really good job of like if you want to make a taxi that's stuck to the San Francisco city limits, they're not that far off. I could see them do having that on the road legally and not just in a testing environment stuff in a couple of years. Sure. But that's not the same as saying, well, it's a car you can buy. And it'll self-drive you anywhere you want to go. And you can go, you can use it in the Northeast in winter or something, you know, it's just, it's, it's right. You, you have to grab your own, the wheel yourself and just, yeah. Yeah. There's just so many conditions just to backtrack. So that it was, uh, the Volkswagen Apple thing. I don't think it ever actually was released, but it was called the iBeetle. Oh, and it, it was, uh, it was an iPhone interface with, so you plugged in your, your iPhone and it, and it brought up, um, sort of a precursor to CarPlay. Absolutely. Yeah. I see. Very, very much so. So. Using that as an as a as a jumping point, I could see that Apple's you know working with someone, building all this stuff, and the product that's eventually released won't be a fifty thousand dollar sedan. Because at the time we were ready, we were ready for the iCar. That was back in you know Steve Jobs. I remember those days. Like we were ready. Come on now, where is it? So that we're going back, you know, that's that's almost ten years ago. I'm so, not even sure why Apple wants to make a car. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe we're just extrapolating through Bloomberg reports and rumors that they do. I mean, they keep posting job postings and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, it's possible they just want to make the software, the self-driving software. Or, you know, right, the software. The, uh, I'm not maps, even sure why they want to do know, that, Things though. like that. Like, I don't even, I'm not even sure how that fits into Apple's broader mission, like their mission statement of enriching people's lives through technology or something. Maybe they're just worried about the data. Maybe they're just worried about their competitors getting this amazing trove of data, treating it poorly with respect to privacy, 
monetizing it in ways that they would rather do, you know, just maybe that's the concern. At, I don't at, know. At some point, you know, relatively soon, let's say 10 to 20 years, 15 to 20 years, that will be the, the standard. We won't be driving. We'll be getting into cars and cars will be driving. At that point, the technology is the is the thing. It's not about the powertrain or the, the gas mileage. So by studying this now, Apple is getting, you know, if not ahead of the game, then at least on the same level as its competitors, because those are those are the companies that are, that are going to rule, like the GMs and the and the and the um, and the Hyundai's of today. Whoever's on board with that, whoever can deliver that system, maybe it's Tesla, maybe it's GM, maybe it's Apple. You know, that's the big three that we're going to be talking about. Then it's not going to be whoever can you know make the best fuel efficient gas car. Yeah, they're going to be computers on wheels, and yeah, and exactly right. It's. I mean, there was a time when we said, why would Apple get into phones? You know, that wasn't that long ago, where it seemed like a like a like a like a pipe dream that Apple would actually make a a, a smartphone yeah. or or a tablet even. I remember the 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 I the iWalk back when I worked at SpyMac way back when. It was I mean it was absurd, but you know the iPod became the iPhone became the iPad, and now it's you know they're the biggest company in the world. The thing with the phones though, while we didn't see it at the time. I mean, they're not phones anymore. They're essentially just tiny computers. But that's, but that's mm-hmm. what the car will be. It'll be big, there'll be big computers on wheels, but yeah. be, it'll still be like if you get, let's say no one has a car. With a, with a specific purpose. Yeah. That's, in this yeah. futuristic world, when we don't have cars and there's just taxis everywhere that are driving all over the place, we get in them and we go. The yeah. phone is the thing that that's your identifier. That, you know, you get in, you, it knows who you are, it knows your payment system, where you're going, all that stuff. So... I still don't think Apple's building a car, though. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I definitely think they're not going to build one themselves. They're not going to spin up a car factory, right? There's just not a... They'll kill it before they do that or, or just decide... All right, I mean, they technically don't even have an iPhone factory. Right. That's what I mean. Like, they have... They do so little of their own manufacturing. Um, they don't... Uh, I, God, I can't... I struggle to think of what, what they do to make themselves. Um, the Mac the Mac Pro, I believe that's their factory. Nope. No, that's a third party. That's not theirs either. Yeah, and, and the, the one in Texas. Yeah, it's. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. It's Flex. No, maybe. So, so they're. I mean, they're definitely not going to spin up their own factory. They're not going to go from not manufacturing anything themselves to having thirty thousand manufacturing employees at a, at several large plants around the world. That's just not gonna. That's not gonna happen. The question is, if they can't find a car partner willing to cede as much control as, as Apple needs over this whole project and, and the final product, then do, do they go the software and, you know, sensor suite licensing route kind of thing? Or do they just say like, you know what, we let's kill it. We're, we have enough other irons in the fire. Do you remember the rumors that Apple was going to buy Tesla years ago? Apparently um, Musk confirmed that, that he, was willing to sell and couldn't get a meeting with Tim Cook. That's that's what I mean. He's what he said. Who knows? I mean, he's not he's not the most reliable of narrators, but true. <laughs> um, I mean, but that's that's a far way off from uh, there was there was a deal that fell through. I mean, not even getting the meeting isn't the same as yeah, I wanted to sell to them and I never got a meeting. And that, that's a lot to take on. I mean, Beats is one thing. Tesla is a whole other thing altogether. Yeah, that's again, it's go, it's going down the route of owning factories and doing all this manufacturing, but it is the model that Apple's used to. It's that complete vertical integration model. It's owning all the hardware, the software, the shoot, like making their own the the, the gas stations or the the fill up stations. They right, they yeah, the charging a charging network and 
they're they're making their own aluminum alloys and stuff like all kinds of stuff so that's what apple's used to that's what all these other car manufacturers need they're all going toward that because that's where the money is the money isn't just in selling you an electric car it's in owning your data and owning the software and doing software updates and selling you software upgrades you know that's yeah, like uh, Tesla's selling people over-the-air software upgrades. Uh, an app store is coming to their cars. Everybody wants that. Everybody wants the ability to monetize their car after the fact with something beyond service appointments. The uh, the Apple Car Upgrade Program, anybody? <laughs> well, they have those cars. Cars already have that. It's called yeah, a lease. Well, I, I, I lease mine. I, I lease my cars. So if Apple actually produced a car and it had some of the rumored features, like it was self-driving, if electric, there were you know there were patents filed about it, like having interior multiple displays, automatic configuration of like the seats and the wheels and things like that, mm-hmm. or steering wheel and stuff like that. Would you guys consider it? I mean, it's it's hard to ask if you would buy it because you haven't even seen the car yet. Yeah. Do I get a review unit first? <laughs> I mean, I would certainly take it for a test drive and consider it. Yeah. As a, I mean, as that's a purchaser. Sure. Those are I mean, all. That means it wasn't like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is possible. True. Yeah. Those <laughs> those are all the check boxes that I mean, we just bought a car from ending our lease and we got a Tesla and those were all the check boxes, right? That when my wife gets in the car and she just has her phone. And it just opens the car for her and the seat and the wheel and all that stuff adjusts to her. That driver profile stuff that exists in other cars, you know, um, usually high end luxury cars, like they're bringing it down to a to a better level and it's making it automatic. But that was like the top of her list, like whatever car we get, I'm tired of adjusting the seat <laughs> and the mirrors every time I get in the car. And I'm like, yeah. Because we share a car. We both drive it all the time, and it's a big pain in the butt. So all this stuff that they're talking about five years from now, that's that's absolutely going to be no way would I get a car that doesn't have those things. Was this the first time you considered uh, Tesla? Yeah, because of price issues and stuff, right? Yeah, because uh, when we leased our car last time, three years ago, the only thing that Model 3s were just coming out, there was like a year-long waiting list of orders to fulfill so there's no way we could have gotten that I can't afford a model s or model x or anything like that it was, it was crazy what was what'd you have before would you would you switch from uh chevy volt because the hatchback and stuff the lift back i should say yeah. Yeah, so it's got a lift back and it's sort of electric most of the time i think about i did the math once after three years of driving and about half the miles it has been driven have been electric only, you know, the other half have been a gas. Do you have a station that you're like a little charger at your house or you just plug Because it, in? it only has about 50 miles of battery charge, we just use the 120. Uh, we're getting a 240 volt 50 amp socket put in now because we're all electric. But yeah, that's, and there's incentives to do that stuff now. There's federal incentives and all this stuff. Yeah, I got, I have a, I have a Hyundai Ionic or Ionic Q, however they pronounce it. Um, it's, it's a hybrid and, um, I was I wanted the the electric, but when I got it two and a half years ago, the mileage just wasn't there. Like I need to go to New York and I need to get back. And that, now those were my limits. Like I need to get I need to go SF and back without stopping for half an hour to charge up. Um, and well, you get like what, like three three something on yours. The EPA thing is three something. You never get the don't trust the EPA numbers on a highway. Like take twenty percent off for highway driving. Just but that's still enough. Yeah, it gets me there and back. 
with with room to spare. Yeah, I wonder, like in, with the Northeast winters and stuff, like I'm, I wonder how take another twenty percent mileage dips. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> cold, cold battery and running the heat all the time, take twenty percent off. Running on the highway, another twenty percent. You whatever the EPA mileage is, if you were running at night in the cold with your headlights on, you know, and the heat going. <laughs> And driving only on the highway, you might get half of what the EPA range says. Because the EPA is like no AC or heat in good conditions, and it's a mix of like city stop and go, which is good for electric cars. And Yeah, I was at the time when I looked at it, I think it was uh, Hyundai rated it like 170. I was like, no way. Because I'm thinking, like, even if I got that, it was it's not enough. But I'm, I'm assuming that gets down to 100 out here in February. Forget it. But Michael, you brought up a good point about the range uh stuff is that you know yeah these sub 100 ranges are fine for a lot of people's daily to the store and back commutes or whatever but then you don't always drive your car that way unless you have multiple cars you can't do that right you just can't and then range is key it ranges king and and every and fast charging is king and that's one of the the rumors about this apple car is that they had this like incredible new battery technology and design with all these patents and stuff that was going to let it charge ridiculously fast and it's like well that's not that's not the only part of that equation right like it, you, you need electrical infrastructure to do that if you pull up to uh, a group of electric electrify america stalls or tesla superchargers whatever there's a dozen of them you can't you can't feed 250 kilowatts to each car unless you're sending three megawatts of power to this one location like cities need to upgrade themselves to make all this stuff work and it's just so far away I mean, it just, it, it sometimes it seems like, and if I was working at Apple, it would just be a, a daily cloud over my head. Like it just seems like an unsurmountable, insurmountable task for a company who doesn't do this to get in off the ground. Maybe that's, you know, why we've been hearing about it forever. Cause they're not, it is a, it is a huge task and they're not getting it off the ground in a way they're. They've been at this for 10 years. <laughs> we keep reading but, well, about but it. I mean, like, that has no history making cars. I mean, I, I read an article recently about the, the Mustang, the all-electric Mustang. And it had, you know, the, the I, it was on protocol, and I forgot the reviewer's name. But he said, you know, listen, it's, it's, it's fun to drive. It doesn't feel like a Mustang, but it also doesn't feel like a slow, pokey electric car. Charging is an issue, and, and, and filling up is an issue, and, and all these things that Apple has to solve and it's not as easy as well. Wait till next year for Apple Car 2. Like you need this is a thing that has to get out of the out of the gates. You need to have, you know, some serious uh, problems that are fixed. Globally, right? Not too. This is not. They can't solve this problem for the U.S. market or something. They have to solve this problem all over the globe. And there's not a lot of companies that can do it. I mean, to be to to be fair to Apple, any non-car company getting into this. Apple has as good a shot at this as anyone, right? They have the world's biggest war chest and great hardware and software developers and a huge international presence and have been working with manufacturers on products forever with incredibly high tolerance for flaws and faults and stuff. I mean, if anybody who's not a car maker is going to get into this, Apple could do it. But I just don't think it's like... It's going to... There's a at least a 50% chance that in, when the 
history of Apple's updated in 20 years, it's going to be looked back upon as this giant boondoggle that they spent all this time and money on and never <laughs> went anywhere. Yeah, but money, Apple has the money to spend on that boondoggle, yeah. And, and they're probably learning things that they can apply to everything else that they do. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to sink the company anytime soon. No, no. Right, no way. <laughs> that was always sort of Tim Cook's insinuation, is that it's the hardest problem to solve, and that's part of the reason that they're doing it, is because regardless of what product ends up getting made, working to solve this ridiculously hard problem makes them learn all this stuff that's useful everywhere else. It's kind of like doing your moonshot, right? It's like going to the moon's not just useful for going to the moon, it's useful for all the stuff you have to develop to get there is useful in so many other ways. Well, yeah, it looks like we've uh, run out of gas on this topic. Oh, so waiting for the to get there. Oh, oh, so I've, I've been waiting for our hours to do that one. So, you know, we're just going to pull over and park it for this episode of the Macworld podcast. You know, we're going to expect these kind of puns at the next episode, too. It's not working on, on uh, phone ones, too, Roman. Yeah. All right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try and dial up the puns for the for the phone next phone podcast. So thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thank you to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for tolerating my puns. You can subscribe to the podcast via the podcast app through soundcloud.com or on Spotify. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or you can contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld podcast as we talk about the latest news and happenings in the world of Apple. See you next time. (laughs) 